All right, all right. Hey, kids, are you in the house? Can I get a woo-woo? Oh, I think some older kids need to join in on that one. Kids, can I get a woo-woo? Oh, that's fantastic. Andy, I didn't hear you woo, but I know you were doing it in spirit. Hey, um, kids, in your packets, if you picked up one of the packets back in the hospitality space, we have these really cool cards. It says, we would love to, and then it has eyeballs uh, you. And um, so, kids, if you want to send this to a friend or you know of somebody that's not here today that you'd like to send this to, please fill it out during the message and we will mail it for you. Okay? Does that sound good? As long as we have the address, we'll mail it for you. And if we don't, I'll track you down and that way we can do it. Hey, um, man, I love new things. I love the start of things because it always represents hopes and dreams. How many of you have walked into a moment full of hopes and dreams? Like ready, cloud nine, you have a plan, you have a hope, you, this thing is going to work out. Like I think that's what I love about Jake and Kaylee. Like they're about to get started and there's so much potential and hope that they're feeling for this new baby church. Speaking of new babies, I think that's how I feel about having a new baby, that this baby has so much potential and ability and there's hopes and dreams wrapped up into it. I think that's one of the things that drew me most to launching Wayfinders is I love the idea that I get to dream and be a part of this thing where we get to say, what if there was a different kind of church? What if, what if we could be done differently? What if we could invite people to live life differently? And, um, you know, this week I got to meet with the Kyle City Planners, and in a presentation I learned that we just crossed 46,000 people and that the growth and in infrastructure over the next 20 years is going to take us to 150,000 people if it all stays the way that it is. Isn't that crazy? And so, like, I got to thinking, what would drive people to move like that? Have you ever made a move for a job or to launch a business or for a relationship or for a promotion, or to get a new skill set. Like, we leave places or we move into places with these dreams and intentions that we're going to go someplace, we're going to do something. This whole idea of new possibility. Now, maybe your new possibility is to become an Instagram star. I cannot help you get more followers. Um, I have not yet been successful enough in that way that I can shout you out and get you there. Um, but whether it's a promotion or a relationship or to become an expert in a field, I think there are moments where we experience stepping out and maybe just after college or maybe just starting a relationship is the, like that, those are the times where we step into that the most. And people are moving to Kyle because there's opportunity and there's dreams and hopes for their family and for their jobs and for relationships. And that got me really, really excited. And as I reflected on my experience of moving here with Holly just a few years ago, and, and the things that happened, I got to thinking about, like, when we step out, what happens? 
Because people don't often move from dream to dream or aspiration to aspiration. What usually happens is they have a dream, they take a step, and when the world beats them down, what do they do? What do we do? We quit. We give up on it. Now, I would hope that when we make moves or when we do changes or when we step into places that we're being called to higher aspirations and, 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 and greater things that God would be calling us into, uh, places of more hope and, 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 and more faith and more love and, and bigger things. But I think for a lot of us, I think the human experience is I tried it and it didn't work, so I'm just not going to try anymore. Anybody had that experience? Was it a relationship? Was it a job? Was it a dream? Right? We give up on all of these things. And in life, and especially in faith, if we're going to experience the breakthrough to get to the wins and the greatness on the other side, we have to keep at it. We have to keep at it. We need staying power. See, there's, um, there's, a mythology, there's a mythology of greatness. When you see somebody that's having success in a relationship or their field, or you see them and you're like, man, they've got it going on, and, and, and they've had a breakthrough. And then you look at your talent, you look at your intellect, you look at your skill set, your ability, your experiences. There's often this idea, right, this mythology of greatness that I should be good at whatever comes easy. If I can do this, if I'm talented, if I'm, if I'm smart enough, if I've got the skill set, should, this should come easy to me. Or if I'm really good at it, it should come really easy. And then we see people that are having success and we do this comparison thing where we say, if they can do it, I'm smarter than they are. I'm I'm talented. I've got more experience. Why did they get the promotion? How did they get the girl? How did And there's this mythology around greatness that you have to have one particular trait or characteristic to be at the top. And I'm convinced that greatness is not about a particular trait, characteristic. It, it, it's, it's not a particular virtue that someone has. It's not about their level of talent or intelligence. I'm convinced what it is is staying power. It's the ability to have all of those things over a long period of time in their lane. And that's where the breakthrough happens. Have you ever been around someone, specifically coming back to faith, have you ever been around someone and you thought, man, they are so full of faith. It's like temptation comes up and they just beat it down. When I'm around them, I feel like I'm walking around with Jesus. Maybe it's Jake because of his beard. I don't know what it is, but but have you ever been around somebody that like nothing phases them? They like... The world's gone awry, and they're still so full of hope, and I, I have to think that that person 
Maybe they are super connected spiritually. Maybe they are super able, but I don't think it's because they're more talented or because they have, have better intellect. I think it's because they have staying power. And if we are going to experience breakthrough, we have to stay on our path. If we want the breakthrough spiritually in our faith, we need staying power. We need to keep after it. With that in mind, I want to show you this video from a Super Bowl commercial in 2012. Chevy Sonic, from your first time to the time of your life, Chevy runs deep. So, I don't know if you're a fan of the Chevy Sonic, but Chevy confirmed that the Sonic did not make as much money as that song did. And this commercial propelled the band Fun to national spotlight, and that song tonight, along with a couple of other songs on their second album, which was the album that this is from, stayed at number one or in the top 10 of the Billboard 100 list for a year. Now, you could argue that the soundtrack to that commercial made the band famous overnight. You could argue that. But what you don't realize is not only was that their second album, they had already had another album on that, but the lead singer and main instigator of the band was in a former band, a duo called The Format, which was signed to a major record label and toured the country for eight years before they split up and the lead became part of fun. The backup band was a band called Steel Train, which was a national indie darling that also toured the country for 10 years. So, where was the breakthrough? Was it the commercial? Was it the culmination of the 10,000 hours plus that made them experts in their field? Was it in seventh grade when they were struggling to play the recorder in music class? Where was the breakthrough? Sometimes the staying power is what causes the breakthrough. And our soundtrack, our lives, our church's soundtrack will be well written when we stay the course with staying power. The cover song that we just did, Queen, right? Um, there's going to be a movie later this year about Queen. Um, and not only do they have a, a, a plethora, we're kids, that's a good word for you to learn, 
plethora. I'm going to teach you a word right now. Do you know what it means? It means a lot. There are a plethora of number one songs that Queen put out, but did you know there's over a thousand songs that Freddie Mercury wrote that never even got recorded? So you tell me, where's the breakthrough? Okay, I wasn't going to say this, but I need to. There was a pottery study, because I know all of you guys like a good pottery study. Um, I think it was in conjunction with an art school and the University of Michigan, and it, it could be Michigan State. I don't know. Anyway, um, it was in Michigan, and they did this study over the course of four years at this art school, and they had this pottery professor who would bring in students and divide them at the beginning of the semester into two groups. And this group, he said, every day you're going to come in and you're going to make pottery, and I'm going to have a new assignment for you, and you're just going to make it. Every single day, every class period, you make a piece. And this group, he said, you have the entire semester to make the best pottery piece of all. You, to make a masterpiece, you have an entire semester. You're going to work on this piece every minute of the entire semester. And without fail, every single time they did this study, the group that came in and made trashy pieces every day inevitably had way higher quality and I don't know what the judge is on pottery, so please do not ask me what that entails. Because I couldn't tell you what makes a good piece versus a bad piece. But the, pe the people that came in and made junk pieces every day in inevitably made significantly higher quality pieces and made lots of them versus the one that not one of the masterpiece pieces matched up to the lowest quality or to the, to the highest quality of the junk pieces. And so, where does breakthrough happen? It happens with staying power. So, if you're just joining us and you haven't been a part of the, the soundtrack series, the premise of the idea that we've been exploring is this, that our lives permeate a soundtrack, that people experience when they are around us. It communicates something. It lays down an experience. It lays down uh, communication for people. And we first started um, by looking at music and saying, music is built from the ground up with the bass note. And if there was a bass note for our lives, for our church, the bass note that we would be building from is love. And so we've been working on what does it mean to, to, to build that up and to, to love. And so we started the first week, we had a challenge that we're just going to love, we're going we're gonna to love people, right? So the 4B model. And that was, you're going to bless four people this week. How are you doing at that, by the way? Have you been following along with it? Blessing someone at home, at work, or at school if you're a kid. If you're not at school, then some other kid who might be at your school, in the city and in the church. And I didn't define what a blessing was. I just said, bless somebody. Whatever you think that is, bless four people. And then we said the, the following week, 
that soundtracks are made to be heard, and we don't have to come up with our own. We get to mash up with the story God is already telling. And then we challenged everybody to the three E's, which is you got to eat with somebody because when you're at the table, you're fully accepting and your soundtrack gets heard, right? Because you're together. And so you were supposed to eat with someone from church, from the community at large, and someone potluck. How are you doing with that? Maybe the blessing and the eating could happen together. Oh, shocker. Okay. And finally, a couple of weeks ago, our intern Caleb gave this great message about how our attitudes actually are dissonant, meaning they push people away, or they're attractive, they're, they're resolved, and they bring people in so that we can actually be heard and share the love of Christ. And we were challenged to the 2V model. If you're noticing, it's L-O-V. I don't know if you're seeing the acronym. Anyway, the V was the idea of volunteerism, that we would choose to volunteer ourselves, of ourselves, that we would have a spirit of volunteerism in the church and outside the church, outside the church and in the church both, because we are community here as well. And today, we're going to explore staying power. And so, the Apostle Paul, as he was starting the church in multiple places. He wrote to a, a group of people in Hebrews chapter 10. It's going to be up on the screen for you. And it says this, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I love this passage, and, and it can be somewhat disorienting. So verse 23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Unswervingly. I love it. It's one of those onomatopoeias. Like it sounds like what it is. Swerve. Not swing or curve. Not turn. It's like all of it wrapped up into one swerve. Unswervingly suggest that the swerves of coming are coming. How many times in your life has life thrown you a curveball? Too many. That was the answer. And it will continue to do so, right? The, the swerves are coming. And so, a lot of times when I talk to people about faith, we get this very strange idea that has no base in experience from the rest of our life that faith is going to be a straight line. And like I'm just going to go and I'm going to propel and life. In fact, let's think of it like an escalator. Like if there was a chart, I'm going up and to the right because that's your right, right? Like I'm on the escalator of faith. See, I'm doing nothing at all, but I'm rising Look at all you people down there. You're not on my escalator. Like, we, we have this idea that we're just going to be floating further and further and get better and better in life, and we're doing nothing except talking about how our escalator is helping us somehow. But faith has turns and dips and curves and ups and downs. It throws you all over the place. When I was in youth group and then as I became a youth pastor, 
and maybe you have played this game. I introduced a game. Some, it has different names. Um, sometimes it's called Whiplash. Sometimes it's called Dragon Tag. But the whole idea is that there's a person up front, and he tags people, and then they get on the back, and they form like a really long train, and they're turning. And of course, when you get caught, and then you attach yourself onto the train, where are the turns coming from? Because the person up front knows where they are turning, right? They know where they're going, so they're making turns, and they know where they're going, and the person at the back is like, I can't do that again. That hurt my neck. But it's like whiplash, and they're, they're being tossed about, and sometimes I think that's what happens. When we take the step of faith to put our hope in Jesus, not only to cleanse us from our sins, but to bring us into the ability to live life differently, we are at the back of the train, and that's where the curves are coming from. However, it's in the swerves that we get the returns. It's in the swerves, it's in those places where life throws us and, and, and challenges awry that the returns are, and that's where God wants to make the largest character leaps in us. Can I get an amen to that one? That's a tough one and a tough pill to swallow, that the returns are in the swerves. Because when we're on the straightaway, when life is going good, I can very quickly and easily forget the idea that I need God's help. You been there? Life's going good. Job's going good. Relationship's going in. Money's going in. Whoop! Off track real quick. But while it's going good, we don't think we need God in our life. And so I, I love, you know, I, I wasn't going to say this, but I think I'm going to say it. So there are some times where I know when people are here or when they're seeking me out, they're calling me, I know that they're calling me because their life's a mess. You ever have somebody like that? They only call you because that's when the chaos is happening. When the business is working, when the money's good, when the relationship with the spouse is good, they're fine. But when it's crumbling, hey, I'm here, I'm a, I'm a church, I made it. And I'm not saying we shouldn't hold tight when things are desperate. We should. But we should hold on unswervingly when things are going good as well. Because if you're only holding tight when, when the turn has thrown you out, you're going to not be ready when the curves come. You're only going to be reacting. Um, it was about nine years ago. And I was in Orlando. It's a whole other country um, in Florida. And it's a very, very strange, worldly place. And I was at a conference with a, 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 a churches from around the world. And there were thousands of people there. And my parents, who were missionaries in Ethiopia at the time, had come. And, and I was there representing my church. And we were at this conference together. And, and it was like a nine-day conference. But there was a day where I had off with no responsibility. And my parents had off with no responsibility. And their friends from Ethiopia had no responsibility. And so we decided while they're in a whole other country in the United States, that we would expose them to American culture. And so we took this, like, so there, let me give you the idea. There's me, my mom, okay? Awis, his name is Awis Ali. He's 
Somalian, but married an American lady, and so he's kind of like American. And then we have Mulu, a lady, and her husband, it's like Aramaeus, but it's Hermaeus, Hermaeus. Everybody say that, Hermaeus. Okay, anyway, Mulu and Hermaeus had never been outside of the continent of Africa. They'd been to other countries, but always in Africa. And so they're in Orlando, and we think, what better than to take them to SeaWorld? Because they could see all the animals and the shows, you know, and it's not really threatening, and it's not as crowded as Disney, and so it'll be great. So we take them to SeaWorld, and we get into SeaWorld, and we got there early, and we're, we're seeing all the exhibits, and now these people had never seen any kind of ride or, or, or been on any kind of experience, and so um, Hermaeus is more than afraid of anything fast-moving, okay? You think about the culture that he comes from. That's rightly so. Like, so anything fast-moving, he's out on. Mulu's kind of there. She's kind of talkative, chatty. You know, she's taking it all in. Oise is game on. Like, let's do it. And so we do the Shamu shows, and we do the, you know, the different exhibits with the aquariums, and, and Oise is like, hey, let's get him on a ride. And I'm like, well, I kind of want to do the Manta Ride. And if you don't know anything about SeaWorld, the Manta Ride is the fastest roller coaster in SeaWorld history where they, you sit in this thing and, and it's like, it, and then it takes you from standing and the platform drops away and it rotates you up to where you are now floating like a little kid doing Superman. And so... We decide that we're going to take Hermaeus and Mulu to the Manta exhibit. We called it an exhibit because, you know. And so we get, and they have these tanks along the way where you get to touch the, the, the rays. And, and, and they've got these fish tanks full of stuff. And, and, of course, Hermaeus is making sure to not touch any animal that looks dangerous of any kind. And, and we... He starts hearing this thing, like, what's that thing? Oh, well, when you get inside the exhibit, they take you in a little car so you can see from above the sea below. And, um, and so we finally get it, and you walk through this passageway into the little building platform, and, and he's like, yeah, you, I, you just sit there. And so we sit down, and they strap in, and then the floor goes away, and he's freaking out now. And, and so the swings up, and I'm like, oh, it's normal, so you can see down, and then the chuk, 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 chuk. I'm like, oh, it's, you'll love it, it'll be great. And then the roller coaster drops, and what happens was just the best time for me and Elise ever. Mulu, you could hear the entire time doing this, you know, like, just screaming and then hysteria. Screaming and hysteria. And Hermaeus, on the other hand, it was like, have you ever seen somebody where they're screaming but there's no volume? Like, he, when he hit that first drop, ah! and that was as far as it went. Some of us are full of fear and hysteria in the drops and the turns 
and the curves of life. And some of us are full-on paralyzed. We have to hold on to faith because the reality is a lot of us didn't expect turns to come with faith. Faith is not a kiddie ride. It is an intense adventure, and it will take you to heights of which you could never get to, and it will take you through experiences through which you would never get to. And by the way, the more trust, the more hope, the more faith, the more intense the curves. And so when Holly and I moved here to launch a church, by the way, I don't know how to launch a church. This just kind of happened, right? And so we're trusting that God's going to be doing something, and now look at all of you today, right? This is amazing, but we're not even to sustainability as a church yet, and I want to get there. We, I want to double in size. I want, like, I want to see people's hearts unleashed. I want to see addictions broken and marriages restored, and if we don't have the staying power, then the soundtrack that God has given us to have as a church is going to fall flat because we'll be paralyzed by the fear. We'll be stuck in our anxiety, and so our job is to hold on for the adventure because God has the soundtrack that I think is an epic ballad, a story of what He is doing in us and through us that is for the world. If you were looking for a boring, straight line, that's not what faith is. So we're going to hold on to hope because the return is in the curves and that's where we get transformed. We're also going to lean in. And I love this. Verse 24 says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, love and service. Does that sound familiar? Does this sound like a Wayfinder's record player just being scratched over and over and over again? See, so many people come into the church and they're asking this question, are you going to love me and are you going to serve me? Are you going to love me and are you going to serve? How many of you have asked that question? Are you going to love me? You serve me to somebody at some point in your life, to a relationship, to the church. And, and here's the deal. With people that are exploring faith, they're asking this question because they're testing, is faith real? Are people of the church going to love me, accept me, and serve me? But then after you've been in the faith for a while, and this is the kicker, as a pastor, um, when I hear people come into the church and say, well, I just, I'm looking for a church that serves my needs, that meets my needs. They're still asking, are you going to love me and serve me? Which is not really a bad question, but how does Paul phrase this? He says, how we may spur one another on. Everybody say spur. It's an active word, not a piece of jewelry on your boot. It's an word, how we are going to push each other into love and service. You know what he's saying? He's doing the whole Bobby Kennedy thing. Ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. I don't know. Did, did I mess it up? John Kennedy? So Sorry. Whatever. Close enough. <laughs> but this whole idea, there's an inversion principle. He, he, he says, he essentially says this, you got to pour out what you want poured in. 
Everybody say that. You got to pour out what you want poured in. You, that doesn't make sense that you have to give away what you don't have, but you have to pour out what you don't. Yeah, you have to pour out what you want poured in. If you're thinking, no one loves me and no one serves me, is there a chance that you are not loving and serving anyone? I'm just asking that question. I'm not condemning it. I'm simply saying, ask the question. If no one is loving and serving you, are you actively loving and serving someone else? Have you ever been told to love and serve by someone who is not loving and serving? They're sitting up at the desk with their boots up. Go, love, serve. Do this for me. It doesn't come across well, does it? If you want to inspire other people to, towards love and service, if you want to inspire people to love first, you got to be a love first person. That's simply the way that it works. And maybe you're saying, I would if I could just find some lovable people. Now, we talked about that in a different message, and there is challenges to this. If you ever see somebody and their life is full of love and service and hope and you think, man, I just want to be their friend, guess what? They don't need you as their friend. They've already got enough friends because when you are loving and serving, you become a magnet for people. They've already got enough friends. And so, huh, let's do this one. You ever been around somebody who's loving and serving when you don't want to? Is it not the most irritating thing of all time? Like, they're just after it. And so, Holly and I, you know, we meet people and Holly's like, well, how can we serve them? How can we love them? And I'm like, Holly, we don't need to love and serve right now. We need to, to, to like and hang. Can we just like and hang, not love and serve? And we can just stay here and, and, and hang, like, like and hang. But she wants to love and serve. And so, Sometimes when I don't want to do that, when I don't feel like that, it becomes irritating. And I'm thinking, okay, if you want to love and serve somebody, how about you love and serve me? I'm right here. Come on. You know, and because you guys never do that. Come on. Right? We, we do that. Sometimes the barometer for the relationship is what are you giving to me? What, how are you loving and serving me? I've been around people, and the excuses that come out of my mouth because I don't want to love and serve would shock you. Ah, I'm busy. I got this thing. Uh, I can't do that. No, that's not really my calling. Like, throw the God card up there, right? Seriously? We make excuses, and we can so easily make the soundtrack of relationships based on how do they love and serve me. You know, I've never seen someone end a dating relationship or a marriage because they love and served too much. I'm sorry, we're going to need to break up because you love and serve me too, too much. You're, your loving is unconditional. You seem to find ways to go above and beyond. When I come home at the end of the day after a hard day work, when I have an interaction that's negative, you're there to lift me up. I'm sorry, this is just not for me. And maybe it does happen, but it sounds kind of ludicrous. Like, you think about employment, right? Like, no employer says, I'm sorry, you're too loving and serving. Not only do you do all the work I assign you with excellence, 
But you go above and beyond and you start helping people with their jobs too. Uh, we can't be having that. You're bringing down morale for everybody else. Really? Those are the people you want. But here's the thing. I've been around people that are loving and serving, and I had to leave because my heart was feeling bad because I felt obligated Right? They were doing so well. It made me feel so small. I felt obligated to do it, and so I just had to leave. That's a condition of my heart, not theirs. Wayfinders has to be a place where our soundtrack is always love first, not just because it's what we do. It's because we will grow our community and we will grow. We will invite people in to love first, and what will happen is we will spur each other on. And when I don't feel like loving and serving, when I'm around you, you will inspire me. And when I'm around you, I will inspire you. And we will spur each other on towards love and good deeds now, what does love and serving look like? Can we dictate that? No. Because if you're going to love someone and you tell them how you're going to love someone, that doesn't work, right? When you love and serve, you're asking, what makes sense to love and serve that person? Let's ask them. Let's find out. Let's do something meaningful. Let's, let's create. And so you're not saying, this is how you're going to be loved and like it. So we're going to spur each other on into that. We're going to lean in. We're going to lean in. We're going to hold on. We're going to lean in. Finally, we're going to stay close. Um, the last verse in Hebrews 10 says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I'm amazed by this verse. First of all, it's oddly encouraging to me as a pastor because this is really soon after Jesus was actually with people. And so there are people that Paul is writing to that would have seen Jesus face-to-face -face physically. And so for Paul to be writing, don't stop meeting together, don't give up meeting together, implies that people were already skipping church. I, and so I love that. It's oddly encouraging. Did you know they were meeting on Sundays because Sundays was not only the day that Jesus met them on the resurrection, but a week later when he touched, when Jesus touched Thomas, you know, when he let Thomas touch his wounds, that was also on a Sunday. And so they started gathering on Sundays because when they got together as a church, when they started doing life together as people, they were celebrating what God was doing and amazing things just seems to continue happening because God showed up on on Sundays, and so they started gathering together, and they would honor their culture, and they'd do the church thing Saturday, because that's when church was, and then they would meet together Sunday, and so 2,000 years later, we have a weekend because Jesus rose from the dead. Come on, that should have landed a little better. You're, you could be grateful, right? We have Saturday, and now we have Sunday. That's how the weekend got started is because these Christian folks were disrupting culture, meeting together. And so Paul says, don't give up because why? It's easy to give up. It's, I mean, I know you guys are the faithful ones, but there's plenty of people that decide when they wake up on Sunday if they are going to participate in a community of faith or not. 
And they decide that morning rather than making it a habit in their lives. So we're going to hold on, we're going to lean in, and we're going to stay close. Something happens when we do life together. We become a tribe. One of the questions I get asked from people as they start a faith journey, almost all the time, is how do I grow? How do I grow? Has anybody ever asked that question about their faith? How do I grow? I want the breakthrough. I want the breakthrough. How do I grow in my faith? I'm going to give you something super, super simple. You can take this with you the rest of your life. Show up to grow up. Show up to grow up. If you want to grow up, you've got to show up. You've got to, you've got to go deeper with the faith community. It's the difference between dating and flirting and marriage. It's, it's rocks skipping across the pond or it's rocks going to the bottom of the pond. It's the difference between the guy who dates 15 girls and calls himself a great lover and the guy that has been with the same person for 15 years. By the way, that's me. I've been with Holly now a long time, and I'm a great lover. Also landed well. Thank you. His love, love is about more than surface stuff. It, it's about creating a deep relationship with people. And so it's easy to give up meeting together. Do you know why? Because people are imperfect, right? They'll let you down. They'll scar you. They, they present all kinds of challenges. And, and I've heard a lot of people as we've kind of been launching churches, I've heard a lot of people that I meet and I encounter and I say, are you a part of a church? And they're like, no, I, I, I believe in God and I like Jesus and all that stuff, but I don't like the church. You know what the church is? People. It's not an institution. It's not some place that you go. It's not a building. The church is us. It's giving up on people. Jesus didn't give up on us, and we're not going to give up on people. So as a people of faith, we are going to stay close and do life together and allow that to shape the soundtrack. And if we want breakthroughs, if we want to see relationships work and get through the struggles and grow together, we are going to have to have staying power through the challenges. And so maybe the first big faith decision is I'm going to show up. That may not seem like a major step of faith because it's not believing something, and yet it's putting action to your belief, isn't it? I'm going to show up and I'm going to do life with these people. Um, let's, let's go here and then we'll end. One of the things that I think happens... You ever see the movie Lion King? There's this line that Pumbaa or Timon, I can't remember which one is which, um, says, when the world turns your back on you, you turn your back on the world. And there isn't a worse philosophy to live by than that philosophy. And in the movie, his realization is, I can't turn my back on my friends. And our philosophy of life coming from the Scripture is, is just this, that we 
we will not give up meeting together. That staying together leads to the breakthroughs. And we have this sense, I think, as people that when someone hurts us or scars us or there's a challenge that comes up, we're just going to run from it and do isolation. And that creates a self-made prison rather than leading to a breakthrough, rather than leading to healing, rather than leading to a faith that is more connected to God. It isolates us and sends us packing the other direction. So we're not going to disconnect from people because of the pain of rejection. Now, you might be saying, that's great and well for you because you're an extrovert, Todd, and I am an introvert. Well, I want to have you guys know something about me. I am both. I'm not a good extrovert, and I'm not a good introvert. I'm neither one well. I'm a sad concoction because when I am too extroverted, I think I got to get away from here. I, I, I can't even think anymore. I don't know who I am. And when I'm all by myself, I keep thinking, I'm not with people. I'm not doing my job. I'm not. And do you know what? It doesn't matter if we're extroverted or introverted. What matters is that we commit into a community and maybe your part in the church community looks very different with these three people than it does with those 70 people, than it does with the 100 people, obviously. But we're going to stay close. When you want to avoid people the most, that's usually the indicator that you need to cut open and let people in. Maybe it's not a lot of people, but somebody. Because when we do life together, we become a tribe. And that is when the soundtrack finally hits home. So let's finish with this. You have in your seat a album cover. It is a paper album cover, you know, because we're in soundtrack and the imagery has been an LP and what you have in there is a cover for an album. Now, it's paper so that you can write on it. And what I'd like you to do, if we're going to have well-worn, deep relationships because of, of staying power, if we're going to be the type of people that when you're deflated, we're going to lift each other up. When you're going through it, we're going to lift each other up. When, when you are going through challenges, we're going to do it together. We're going to inspire each other. We're going to love first and then do life together. If we're going to do that as a soundtrack of the church and become a tribe, not only will all of our lives move forward, but the church won't stay just like it is, Right? Because faith is not a straight line. Your experience today is not what faith is going to bring six months from now, a year from now, three years from now. Your experience today is not what it's going to be when there's 200 people in the room or 150 people in the room. It will change. But here's what we know. If we get these foundational things now, the breakthrough in the church, in our community, 
getting to sustainability, getting to more multiplication. The breakthrough for you personally, that thing that you're struggling with, that fear that has maybe paralyzed you because of the drop, whatever those are, those can be worked through because we have staying power and you're not in it alone. When did the artist have a breakthrough? Was it on the commercial? Was it in seventh grade? Was it the years touring? We're going to have staying power and keep at it. And the thousands of songs that never actually get published will be the bedrock of the ones that make hits and resonate in people's lives because we as a tribe have committed to love first and do life together in our everyday rhythms. And if you haven't figured it out, that's how we're ending love. We're going to live a life as a blessing with four Bs. We're going to be observable and allow people into our everyday occurrences. We're going to eat with people. We're going to be people of volunteerism. We're going to love and serve. But primarily, we're going to do this every day. It's not a flash in the pan. It's not a, yay, we've got this coming, and then give up on the dreams. When things don't work out, we're going to have the staying power. Because what I want for your faith and your life and what I want for Wayfinders is a breakthrough. Because on the other side of that, God has something for you. So they're going to sing a song, and while they're singing a song, I would invite you to write down on your album cover there, where do you need a breakthrough? Claim it in writing. Where do you need a breakthrough? And then name your fears. Name those those swerves. And that's your prayer. God, this is where I need the breakthrough. And I'm going to stay the course. And then throughout this week, you're going to let somebody in on where you need that breakthrough. Because we're going to do this together. So they're going to sing, and while they sing, you can stand and sing, you can write, but I invite you to just step into that.